Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bravo Tea with Jared B. I am your host, Jared B. I hope everyone has had a wonderful week. I've had a great week. I've been a little tired, you know, a little sleepy, um, but no toxic traits have come from me as of late. Um, Yeah, we're going to get right into the Real Housewives of New Jersey. This was... This was an episode. This is the reunion part one, season 13, episode 17. Let's get into it. So, (laughs) first of all, let me say that this episode was disappointing. Um, Not that disappointing because there was a lack of drama, but disappointing because it was just, it was chaotic. It was hard to watch. And it was heartbreaking because at the end of the day, we are watching the dissolution of a family. We are watching the dissolution of a family dynamic between Teresa and her brother, Joe, and his wife, Melissa, who is also a cast member of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. So basically, this episode starts off tense. Um, Ironically, right as they're about to start, uh, Joe Judice, who is Teresa's ex-husband, calls to ask Teresa for plastic surgery. Basically, this was an on-call plastic surgery consultation for Joe's uncle uh, because Joe wanted to know if Bill Aiden does bags under the eyes. If you don't know already, Jen Aiden is a housewife on New Jersey and her husband is a plastic surgeon. Moving right along. So Andy Cohen asked Melissa and Teresa if they want to share their goal for each other on this reunion day because Andy wants to help facilitate that. I love that Andy thinks that he's a therapist. And when I say Andy thinks he's a therapist, Andy thinks that he is a therapist because I remember weeks, several weeks prior, Melissa Gorger was on Andy Cohen's show, Watch What Happens Live. And basically, Melissa called him out and was like, you know, you're not a licensed therapist. And Andy's like, you know, but I've been doing this thing, hosting these reunions for a long time. You know, I'm kind of close. No, Andy, you are not close unless you've gone to school and you are a licensed therapist. Um, then you were simply just a host of the Royal Housewife uh, universe and you are an executive producer. And that's okay. Stay in your lane. But I do like that Andy wanted to set the ground in motion and ask if he can be of assistance in facilitating peace, basically, between uh, Melissa and Teresa. So Teresa says that she wishes her, her as in Melissa, her sister-in-law, well, and that she just wants to close this chapter. Teresa says she wants peace. And then Melissa says that she wants the truth to come out and that she just wants to close this out in peace. And it's so funny, one word that's used often between Teresa and Melissa, all they say is that they want peace. They want peace. But at the end of the day, they are both active participants in the chaos that is their family. Uh, You can't want peace if deep down you both are trying to constantly prove each other wrong. There's no peace in constantly trying to make someone else 
out to be the bad guy. So Teresa says to Melissa that she needs to act like she's on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills uh, and they need to be able to speak one at a time. And that's Rich coming from Melissa, uh, not Melissa, Rich coming from Teresa. Melissa actually says back, well, you don't act like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And that is true. They're not flipping tables on the Beverly Hills housewives. They're not throwing glasses across the room on the Beverly Hills housewives. Even though there was that moment, that cash trip in Amsterdam, where Lisa Renna tried to grab the throat of Kim Richards. Uh, (laughs) Lisa Renna was like, you will not talk about the husband. And Kim Richards was like, well, let's talk about the husband. You know, Lisa Renna tried to grab... Kim Richard's throat. She did smash a wine glass at the dinner table in Amsterdam. But, you know, that's just basic house housewives stuff. You know what I mean? Just housewives stuff. A little wine toss, you know, throwing a glass across the table, a little wig pull, you know, a little reading, some shade. It all comes with the territory. So then Melissa Melissa and Teresa start going at it. They start arguing about whether Melissa and Joe made an effort to spend time with Louis and Teresa when they started dating. Melissa alleges that Louis wanted to be on the show. I can believe that. And that Louis was a fan of the show. I can also believe that. Teresa denies Louis wanted to be on the show. Teresa, are we watching the same show? Your husband, your now husband, Louis, is thirsty for the cameras thirsty and that is a main red flag in a world of many red flags i mean your husband is a walking red flag he's red himself um then marge marge stay out of it this is not your battle this is a battle between Teresa and melissa but Marge and Melissa said that Louie tried to go out with Alexia, who was on the Real Housewives of Miami, before Louie tried pursuing Teresa. I'm going to need Alexia to confirm or deny this. I'm waiting, Alexia. Um, like I said, I believe that Marge needs to stay out of it. And who else needs to stay out of it? Jen Aiden. Like, you know, it's like Marge is Melissa's backup guy and Jen is really Teresa's backup guy. And I just need them to stay out of these family dynamics. This does not involve you. Mind your business. Show up. Be supportive of your friend, whether you're Jen Aiden being supportive of Teresa or you're Marge, a.k.a. Margaret Joseph, trying to be a supportive friend to Melissa. I need the friends to stay out of this particular situation. But like I said, to me, Louis wants to be on the show. Louis likes being on the show. Louis is fame hungry. And just look at it. But to be honest, all the men on New Jersey enjoy the camera time. Of all the housewife franchises, the men of the Real Housewives of New Jersey are the most active participants on the show more so than any other franchise. I would say there was some point when the Real Housewives of Atlanta had uh, more active male members of the cast. These are the husbands, boyfriends, fiancés of the cast members. But uh, the men of the Real Housewives of New Jersey, they really, really love the camera time. So then uh, Melissa 
not Melissa, Teresa talks about how it's going to be over after tonight. And Melissa's like, where are you going? And Teresa said that Melissa's going to leave the show. And Andy is like, oh, you think Melissa is leaving the show? And Teresa says that Melissa will be out of her life after tonight. Now, here's one thing. I know there, there are a lot of Teresa fans out there. Do not come for me. Don't be in my DMs. Don't tweet twat me. Um, yes, Teresa is a mainstay on the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Yes, Teresa is the star of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Yes, Teresa has given much of her life to the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Teresa, if there, there's... Teresa is a lot of things, but one thing that she has not lacked on this show is personal story. I'm going to give that to Teresa. But one thing I don't like is when these ter- when these cast members think and say that they are the star of the show. For example, Nene Leakes said that The Real Housewives of Atlanta used to be her show. You see where she is now. Vicki Gumvelson used to say that The Real Housewives of Orange County was her show. Where is she now? Not on the show, and now she's making guest appearances on the show that Vicki Gumpelson said was hers. And so I, I need Andy and production to let these ladies know that they are on an ensemble cast, which means that each and every one of them plays an important role in The Royal Housewives. It's about the cast, even though Teresa is a star, and I'm not denying that. But I think when you get so comfortable saying, oh, you're not going to be on the show anymore, I think production and Andy, the boss, needs to hunker down and let them know that, like, Teresa, you're an employee. You're an employee of Bravo. Andy is your boss. You are an employee of NBC Universal. This is not the Teresa show. I believe that Andy should just keep Melissa on the show just to, just, just to spite Teresa after saying that. This is not the Teresa show. I'm sorry. So then we move on to uh, Dolores' story. There's not much to say about that. I'm happy that Dolores is happy. And I'm happy that Polly could show up for Dolores in the way that her previous boyfriend, Dr. David, cannot. Because, you know, Dr. David was, um, he was a baby doctor. You know, women who have high-risk pregnancies. David was a doctor for that. I don't know the technical term of that type of doctor, but that's the type of doctor he was. So David was always on call. You know, Dolores has said David was married to his job and often could not show up in a way physically and emotionally the way Dolores needed. So now Dolores has Polly, who is from Ireland. Um, we also find out that Frank Sr. is still living in the house with Dolores's ex-boyfriend, Dr. David. Um, is Frank Sr. paying rent to David? How much is that rent? What? Why can't Frank Catania find a home of his own? Like, I find it very weird that he and his girlfriend are sleeping in the home of Dolores' ex-boyfriend. Boundaries, people. And then we find out something that none of us knew. None of us. Polly is technically legally married. He has been legally separated for 14 years, but he is not divorced. Dolores. Dolores. You better get on that. Have you and that man contact a lawyer? 
and say that this marriage, even though it's been 14 years of legal separation, a marriage is not over until that judge signs that divorce decree and it is O-V-E-R. Even though Pauly has been legally separated for 14 years, he's still technically married. So if, you know, Pauly can't propose to Dolores unless he gets married. I mean, unless he gets divorced. Um, so I guess that's what we'll be waiting to see next season on The Real Housewives of New Jersey season 14. You know what I mean? Um, sorry, I don't know where that came from. Then we move on to Danielle's story. Um, I have to say this about Danielle. Danielle did have a great first season. You see on this episode, Marge did mention that Danielle had a great first season. Uh, Danielle gave personal story. Uh, Danielle was not afraid to get in the mix. Danielle was not afraid to argue, shout, yell it out. Um, Danielle's personal story, of course, were her conflicts with her brother and then also her trying to grow her children's clothing line. Um, the only problem with the brother's storyline of Danielle's is that her brother is not on the show. But we find out that <laughs> Danielle's brother is actually a, a big fan of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Um, listen, if I were in a conflict with my little sister and my little sister went on the Real Housewives of Atlanta and she was talking about our conflict on the show and I'm not on the show to speak my piece, to give my side of the story, I would have a problem with my sister. So I assume if Danielle's brother is such a big fan of the Real Housewives of New Jersey, Danielle's brother is probably watching the show, and Danielle's brother probably has a problem with what he's watching on the show. Danielle mentions the fact that she sent a baby gift to her brother and his wife, um, and they sent the baby gift back. I don't know about you guys, but to me, that sounds bigger than a simple disagreement over Instagram posts, which is how Danielle described that's what led to the falling out between her and her brother. Her and her brother have not spoken in three years. I think when you were sending back baby gifts to your sister, after you've been sent a gift for your newborn daughter, there's a bigger problem. And Danielle's not talking about it. And personally, I don't think Danielle should talk about it anymore. Because like I said, if your brother's not on the show to talk about it, to give his side of the story, you shouldn't be talking about it yourself, Danielle. So um, then there was a very funny moment. Marge, uh, they get into the mix between Marge and Danielle and their annoying drama this season. Marge was like, you had a great first season. You got some endorsements. Some people here can't even get endorsements. And then jumps in Jen Aiden because Jen Aiden was like, I know that was it. They got me. Y'all, apparently Jen Aiden cannot get endorsements. And I don't see the importance of endorsements, but Jenna's like, she doesn't need endorsements. We don't see Andy doing endorsements. Andy's like, uh, I do endorsements. I love my <laughs> I love my endorsements. Andy's like, don't knock my hustle. <laughs> don't knock my bag. I got two kids to take care of. This housewife stuff won't last forever. So I thought that was a very funny moment. And then another fun, funny moment happened when Rachel Fuda called Danielle insecure. And Danielle, Danielle was like, my balls drag out to the door. My balls 
drag out through the door. Who comes up with that? It was brilliant. <laughs> it was brilliant. You can't write things like that. And this is this is why I believe that Danielle was a great first time housewife. This was her first season. Danielle's in the moment. She's emotional. She's reacting. She's not contrived. She's not calculative. Um, so keep it up, Danielle. Keep it up. But I have to say, I was happy that Andy put a kibosh between this drama with Rachel and Ra- Rachel Fuda and Danielle. Because I, too, believe that this pipe, this, oh, my gosh, why can't I talk? What's going on? You know what the problem is? I'm sleeping. Jared's sleeping. But like I said, I'm happy Andy put a kibosh in this drama between Rachel Fuda and Danielle. This fight is petty. I don't care who's a rat. They were just playing the housewives game. And, you know, when you're a new housewife, sometimes you don't know when to carry on a beef and when to squash it. So I'm happy that with the help of Andy Cohen and Dolores Catania, that Rachel and Danielle were able to put this petty beef to a close. They will learn their new housewives. Now we get to Melissa's story. It starts off, you know, they're... It's a bunch of semantics happening. Teresa says that she believes Rachel Fuda delivered a setup question when she asked Teresa if her kids and Melissa's kids were close. If you don't remember, they were on the Sprinter van on their cash trip in Ireland. They're talking about families. The ladies are opening up about their personal lives. And Rachel Fuda asked Teresa, do your kids have a good relationship with uh, Melissa's kids? And things don't turn out well after that question. I can see why Teresa believes that was a question that was set up. Maybe a producer got in Rachel Fuda's ear before, you know, they started shooting that day and was like, maybe you should ask Teresa about this. I don't believe that it was uh, set up like that. Rachel's too new to be, you know, setting up moments with the producers. Let's give Rachel like four or five seasons. Then you'll see Rachel will probably start setting up things for the show. Um, So like I said, I don't think it was a setup question, but I do believe it was a great question because it led to conflict. I think it was a great move for a first season housewife. Um, You got to know how to be in the mix, how to ask the right questions. How to be a good housewife, you have to ask questions because questions lead to answers. Questions usually end end up in conflict. And that's exactly what Rachel Fuda did in that moment. Um, Honestly, I'm sick of them bringing up Laura, the lady who we have never met, but seems to be, not seems, she was mentioned several times this season. If you don't know who Laura is, Laura is the ex-best friend of Margaret Joseph. Apparently, Marge told Laura a lot of things about the other women. Laura told uh, Jen Aiden and Teresa some dirt on the other women via Marge. Um, and then Jen Aiden and Teresa basically used Danielle to get that information out about Melissa allegedly cheating on her husband and making out with a man in the back of a car. Um, you know, they get into the rumors of that on the next episode, I believe, part two. But, you know, my problem is 
the only problem I had with Danielle, mainly two problems, is that when conflict happened, when things were getting tough for Danielle, she would walk out. She walked out like two or three times. She just left the event. Danielle, never walk out of an event. Stand your ground, 10 toes on the ground, and handle your business. Don't leave and allow everyone else to paint you as someone that is weak. Don't do it. And I also can't believe that Danielle would allow herself to be the fall guy for this rumor that was brought out about Melissa. And then it's confirmed by Marge and Andy that Marge did try to get her friend Laura on the show, but Bravo's not interested, so let's just move on from Laura. So then Melissa and Teresa start going back and forth, and... You know, in these moments, I don't know why Andy just lets it happen. Andy, just like, there's nothing happening in this part one of this reunion. We have not found out anything new. There's no information. It's just nasty comments and yelling and accusations. Nothing has been resolved. And we have not found out anything new. Teresa says that she can't wait to never see Melissa's face again. And that Teresa says that Joe and Melissa were cool with her ex-husband, Joe Judice's ex-business partner, who, partner, who Teresa believes ratted out her and Joe. Teresa believes this because the ex-business partner was able to avoid jail time and Teresa and Joe had to go to prison. Then Teresa says she thinks Joe and Melissa are the reason why she went to jail. Teresa, no one told your husband to lie to the banks about his income, to get out millions of dollars in bank loans, and then you, without asking any questions, you signed the documents, co-signing with your husband, and because you did not dot your I's and cross your T's and read the document that you were reading, you got implicated in your husband's fraudulent, shady Loan applications. That's why you went to prison, Teresa. Joe and Melissa didn't do this to you. Caroline Manzel did, didn't do this to you. The U.S. government didn't do this to you. You guys did it to yourself. And now you're out. Now you're remarried. And now you should be living your best life. Move on from the accusations about who got you in prison. Because the only person that you should be mad at, Teresa, is yourself and your ex-husband, who's been deported from the country because of his fraudulent and illegal activities. And that was this week's episode of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. When we return, we're going to get into part two of the Vanderpump Rules reunion. I wouldn't miss it if I were you. I'll be right back. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into part two of Vanderpump Rules. This is uh, this is season ten, episode seventeen, the reunion, part two. So this episode continues with you know Lala yelling, James Kennedy booing, and then at this point James Kennedy walks off the stage for a second time. Um, you know, like I've said before, I love James Kennedy. Great for the show, very entertaining, but at the same time, James Kennedy is a child. 
but he's a funny child, but he's a man child. Um, so then, you know, it was easy to miss this moment, but we hear Sandoval say you pulled your IUD the moment you heard Stasi was pregnant. What does that mean? I know what an IUD is. It's birth control. It's a form of contraception. Uh, but my question is, does Sandoval think Lala was trying to compete with Stasi by having a baby? What does that mean? What does that mean? So we get into Lala's story. Lala mentions the fact that Randall has the same spokesperson as Harvey Weinstein. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I love Lala. Sometimes Lala is team too much, much like Marlo. But I'm going to be honest in this moment. Uh, Lala, you married him. Lala says she didn't know Randall was running a casting couch, but you're the one that said on the show that you let him hit it the first night. You should have done some research before you opened your legs for a married man. And the... (laughs) I'm sorry to say that, but it's true. You know, in the words of Nene Leakes, keep your legs closed to married men. You were impressed by this man, his connections, his resume, his money, and you went for it. And now you look foolish. But I respect the fact that Lala admits the fact that she looks foolish and feels foolish. Um, James Kennedy said that he knew Hollywood was a shady place to be since he was eight. And I mean, let's be honest, unless you've lived under a rock your whole life, unless you don't have access to the internet, then every last person has heard at least one shady story about people in Hollywood, whether it's a director, whether it's a producer, whether it's an agent, whether it's an actor. We've all heard at least one story. We got to be honest about that. So then the cast takes a break. Sandoval meets Raquel in her trailer in the parking lot. The cast is talking about Raquel during lunch. My question is, does this mean they get paid for a lunch break? Because, you know, they're still actively filming while on a filming break. So, you know, I felt like this was an appropriate question for us nine to fivers out there or for me nine to six. Um, but I also felt like this conversation between Raquel and Sandoval was unnecessary. I get why they did it. Um, but we didn't find out anything new from this conversation between Raquel and Sandoval in her trailer. Um, also, Raquel has the vocabulary and the cadence of a seventh grader. Raquel has no depth, and she can't even articulate her thoughts like an adult. And it's hard to watch. It's concerning and very hard to watch. This is a grown woman, and she's meek. And I I have to say, or seems meek, apparently, now we know, Raquel is diabolical. Um, But it also seems to me that James Kennedy has a type kind of like these doe-eyed, quiet girls, meek, um, because, you know, James Kennedy is a boisterous person. He has a boisterous personality. So it's interesting to see that he definitely has a type, you know, the the doe-eyed, soft-spoken girl, because we see that with Raquel. So we thought, um, still soft-spoken, still daft, um, but yet she's very meek. And we see that with Allie as well. Um, 
And then one thing I noticed was an outfit change with Raquel when she's sitting down talking with Tom Sandoval. At first, Raquel is in, like, this black and white sweater. It, it was, like, the colors of yin and yang, that symbol. And then she's in a black shirt. So did they film this twice? Did she change while she was filming with Tom Sandoval? Um, and then they stopped their conversation. Tom Sandoval is outside of the trailer in the parking lot that Raquel is in because she filed a restraining order against Sheena, so she has to be at least 100 yards away from Sheena, which is why Sheena and Raquel are not on the same reunion stage together, just to keep you up. Um, so Raquel... Uh, Sandoval is outside, and he starts having a meltdown in the parking lot. He says he wants a break from filming. The producer is like, uh, well, you keep talking, buddy, so we're going to keep on filming. Sandoval says that he wants to speak with Raquel off camera. Sandoval, you're on a reality show. It's reunion day. Suck it up. So then we come back from break, and it's James' story now. Allie comes out. Allie is the girlfriend of uh, James Kennedy. And I like Allie. She seems, I will say seems, because, you know, Raquel seemed a lot of ways, and we found out that she is other ways. So Allie seems sweet, innocent, level-headed, mature. And I'm afraid that if she hangs out with this group any longer, she's going to be a train wreck in three years. Allie, watch your back, girl. Watch your back. So, um, basically, James Kennedy opens up, and I have to say that I'm happy LVP can be a mother figure for James. I think uh, the reason why James cries so often while in the company of Lisa Vanderpump is because I think Lisa reminds him of home. She reminds James of his mother. Um, and we also find out that James called Raquel's mom a fat bitch. Yikes. James, James also accuses Raquel's mom of asking about James Kennedy's dick and if he's uncircumcised. We could have saved this moment. James, time and place, buddy. Time and place. We didn't need to hear this. And imagine, like, Raquel... Raquel's mom and her dad sitting down watching this moment together, and they see this. I mean, I would assume, was Raquel's dad present at this dinner when uh, Raquel was asked, Raquel's mom was asking James Kennedy about his, uh, his sausage roll? Up next on 2020. <laughs> um, then James Kennedy walks off for a third time. Um, and then this funny moment happens. Uh, Katie says about Tom Schwartz that he is a serial killer's wet dream. He's friends with everyone, and one day he's going to get chopped up. But you know who's not going to chop Tom Schwartz up? It won't be Jeffrey Dahmer. Because if you watch that Netflix series, you know how that ended. Uh, ooh, that was a brutal show. It was a good show, but a brutal show. I'm, I'm rooting for Niecy Nash to win that Emmy for Best Supporting Actress in probably, what, a miniseries? Um, go, Niecy, go Niecy Nash. 
Uh, she also gave a wonderful performance in the Netflix miniseries uh, written and directed by the uh, Oscar-winning Ava DuVernay, Nisi Nash, gave a great performance in uh, When They See Us. So I'm rooting for Nisi Nash. And, you know, first thing I ever saw Nisi Nash in, I know people know her from Reno 911 on Comedy Central, but... I knew Niecy Nash as the host of Clean House on HGTV. I believe that's the channel that Clean House was on. Um, But I digress. Let's get back to the show. Um, So then Lala gets emotional, and it was a nice moment. Um, Personally, I feel like anytime you see someone so combative like Lala, they're probably going through something overcoming something, haven't healed from something, and it just feels like as long as I've seen Lala on the show, Lala is in survival mode. And especially now, after breaking up with Randall, and now she's a single mother, um, I believe that all these things that Lala has been through, I don't know about how she grew up in Utah, but from what I've seen on the show... She's a fighter, and she's in survival mode, and that's why you see Lala have such a hard exterior. And so in these moments, I like Lala more. I don't have a problem with Lala, but I want to see—I like to see a more vulnerable Lala. So now we're halfway through part two of this part two reunion, and they still haven't brought Raquel out. Andy asked Ariana if she feels like they portrayed their relationship accurately. Ariana, of course, says yes. Tom Sandoval says no. Um, He says that Ariana was very strict on portraying a happy relationship for the cameras. Uh, Andy lists a couple of things that Ariana uh, talked about, about their relationship, being honest. I think you can play book. You can play both sides of this. I think it's possible to hide things from the camera, but also mention enough things on the camera where it seems like you're giving enough story. So maybe Ariana felt like they were being open and honest, but I can believe Tom Sandoval when he says they weren't open and honest about everything. I, I, you know, listen... Sometimes you have to believe in a multiplicity of truths. And this is the moment when I believe in a a multiplicity of truth. Um, That's a hard word to say, multiplicity. Um, So then Andy hands Sheena a letter from Raquel, and it's a request to dismiss the restraining order. We see Raquel in the trailer getting her hair and makeup done. Raquel says she regrets filing the restraining order against Sheena. Sheena breaks down in tears about the aftermath of the restraining order, saying, you know, she's dealing with a lot. And yes, lawyers are expensive. She says that she couldn't be fully present for her daughter. It's been a hard time on her. And all you see is Raquel in the trailer like, I guess I should have written her a personal note. I guess I didn't realize the weight of my actions. Meanwhile, There's a smile on her face the whole time. This woman is shallow. Raquel is shallow. She is merely a shell of a human being. She's an avatar. And not like Avatar the movie. She's just like, she's a robot. She's robotic. 
So then Sheena exits the stage so Raquel can join the cast. Of course, they dragged out part two of this reunion and teased Raquel coming out when the truth is she is merely featured on part two. And she's really going to be on part three fully. Now, apparently next week, next week is the part where we get this bombshell of news where allegedly the cast has not signed on to film the next season because apparently the news that we're going to get on part three of this reunion might shift the dynamics. This better be good. There's been rumors that Raquel is pregnant. I've seen things on the Twitter. A lot of people don't believe it. I, you know, I've seen, I don't know. Raquel has been in hiding this whole time. Since they wrapped filming the reunion, Raquel has been in hiding in a mental health facility. But before I end this, um, we get more of the one-on-one interview with Raquel and Andy Cohen. Um, and honestly, it's giving Barbara Walters, it's giving 2020 special. Rest in peace, Barbara Walters. I was a big fan of The View for a long time, but I haven't watched in like three or four years. Um, Raquel is giving, I have sat down with my crisis manager to prepare to answer these questions from the Barbara Walters of Bravo. Is Andy Cohen the Barbara Walters of Bravo? Let me know. <laughs> I think Andy Cohen is the Barbara Walters of Bravo. Um, then Raquel's about to come on the stage and join the cast, and Tom Schwartz starts popping Xanax as Raquel is about to come on stage. Ra- I mean, Tom Schwartz, you and your props, do you really want us to believe that you've been carrying around a bottle of Xanax and the pocket of your sports coat, this whole reunion, you know, during the break, either producer suggested or Tom thought this would be a funny moment for the show. So uh, Tom Schwartz got his bottle of Xanax, put it in his pocket and decided to have this moment. OK, Tom Schwartz, it was a funny moment. You can have this moment, but I'm not I'm not falling for your shtick. I'm not falling for it, Schwartzy. Um, so then Raquel comes out on stage and the episode closes. I don't have much to say about this part. I will say this this part gave more than part one. In this part, we got some more, we got more information. We found out new things. There was still a lot of name calling, a lot of bickering, a lot of walking off, a la James Kennedy. But, you know, I, I felt like there was more to take in with part two of this reunion. This is the end for me. I hope you guys have a wonderful evening and I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Let's remember new episodes of the podcast come out every Wednesday and Friday. Next week, the first episode, Wednesday, it's of course going to have the recap and discussion of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, Summer House Martha's Vineyard, and Summer House. And then the episode that comes out on Friday is going to be part two of The Real Housewives of New Jersey Reunion. It's going to be part three of Vanderpump Rules. And we're going to have one more on the roster Because Wednesday is the season premiere of the Real Housewives of Orange County. And best believe I will be discussing it. 
Thank you so much for the support. Like I said, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Follow the podcast on Instagram. It is at Bravo T with Jared B. Again, that's at Bravo T with Jared B. And we are also on the Twitter at Bravo T with JB. On Twitter, it's different than Instagram. It's at Bravo T with JB. Thank you so much for the support. I love you all. Hope you have a great night. And I'm going to go watch me some Top Chef World All-Stars. Have a good one, everyone. I'm out.